Hi everyone, it's Joachim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. In May of 2023, I went on social media and posted that I would accept founders who wanted to do a pitch over Zoom and I would give feedback on their pitch and we would record this pitching session and then I would share it later on on YouTube and Spotify. So this is the second recording I did with Pavel Afanasyev, who is the co-founder and CEO of Northern Light Studio, a company working on a space strategy political game for mobile called Nebulae. Uh, in this pitch, Pavel decided not to use a pitch deck and just go through his pitch in vocal presentation, which I think is an interesting take. Uh, and there's a lot more feedback on what he delivers through a seven-minute vocal pitch. Here's the episode. All right, Pavel, thanks. Thanks for doing this pitching feedback session with me. Thank you, Joachim. Uh, thank you very much for also for offering this uh, this opportunity. And uh, as you asked, we're going to keep it under seven minutes. Yes. So let's let's attempt that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we'll be fine. Um, so hi, my name is Pavel. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Northern Lights Entertainment. Um, we're an 18 people with gender balanced studio based in France. I'm currently calling you from Station F here in Paris. And the positioning of our studio is that we transform global societal issues into massively played games and we let players explore um, these issues within the games that we produce. And as a studio, we target markets of uh, potential audiences of 100 million players or above. And if we think that a game um, has a potential audience reach that is below that, then it's a game that we're not going to make. Um, we have existed, so we have been created uh, in 2018 after doing a uh, about a year and a half of customer uh, discovery with my co-founder, Julie. And uh, essentially the insight for our first game uh, was uh, something that I have observed when I was a community moderator for a very large browser game based in the Heroes of Might and Magic franchise, which I'm sure you, Kim, you've, you've played many hours. Um, and the insight was that players who stayed within the game for the longest time and players who spent the most money within the game had one characteristic that they shared, uh, which was that they were one way or another implicated in the political interactions that were happening within the game. On an individual level, it was everything related to individual influence and struggle to be in the leaderboards and, of course, interpersonal conflicts that arise between players. And on a collective level, it was related to clan warfare and control of the territories and control of the means of economic production. Um, and the observation was that all of these political interactions, which were super engaging, actually happened outside of the game itself and had nothing to do with the gameplay of the game. They were happening on forums, on chat rooms. Back then, Discord didn't exist because we we're between 2009 and 2014. So they were happening on, on Skype and on TeamSpeak mostly. And a question arose in my head back then, which was, well, if in-game politics is so engaging and monetizes so well, then why don't we have massively multiplayer games 
that actually focus on politics as a playable part of the user experience and the user journey within those games. Um, and so I was significantly younger back then, so I didn't necessarily have the possibility to uh, to act on uh, and execute against this vision, but it's a question that stayed um, uh, with me. And later on, in 2016, I was working on an entrepreneurship paper, where essentially I I was I was suggesting um, that a new kind of playable experience could be constructed about, uh, around this um, observation and around this um, this social player phenomenon. Um, and so essentially, this is the first game um, that our studio Northern Lights Entertaining in, Entertainment is building out. And the game is called Nebulae. Um, it is a mobile first strategy MMO that will come out, uh, that has already come out in its initial version on the Google Play Store in January uh, this year. Um, and the game has essentially three core gameplay pillars. The first one um, is that you start out as a junior governor on uh, on a planet that you control and on this planet you're responsible for the development of economic production um, for the management of the societal well-being of the population that you govern on this planet and for the balancing of um, environmental health of the planet which can come undone if for example you over industrialize your planet or overpopulate it the second component of the game, and this is where we add the most value um, and we will provide the most innovation, is what we call massively multiplayer politics. So essentially, the core promise of the game is that players in our universe collectively govern various political regimes and can experiment with new forms um, of political governance and political experimentation in the context of a massively multiplayer game. So players collectively governed regimes, which can be democratic, monarchist, republican, federalist, theocratic, if you like, uh, and totalitarian, and they can transition, the regimes that is can transition from one form of political structure to another, if a sufficient player consensus is built around it. And finally, when diplomacy between these various nations, all of which are governed by players, fails, well, um, the conflicts, the territorial conflicts are resolved through essentially uh, warfare in space and customizable spaceships, um, first in algorithmic combat and then on real-time combat arenas. So I'm going to share um, a little extract um, from, uh, from our gameplay footage, which we also use for our uh, marketability testing. And you should be able to see it right now. So... This is the planetary component of, of the game. Uh, you essentially, it's it's a very planet builder type of uh, feeling. And here we have some of the initial political interfaces um, uh, that are present in the game as well. I'm going to play it one more time just for the audience to have a better idea. Yeah, so here we are. Um, in terms of traction to date, we launched the game uh, in January this year after approximately a year and a half in playtest. Uh, during the playtest phase, we have reached a net promoter score of 56. We have also reached a 92% satisfaction rate with the political component of the game. Um, and in terms of our marketability metrics, uh, we're currently sitting at an extremely comfortable um, 50 euro cents cost per install, uh, which is significantly lower 
um, than the market uh, than the market rate for uh, mobile strategy games. Um, and thanks to our partnership with uh, Solston, which is an amazing company, and you should definitely work with it <laughs> if you don't yet, uh, we uh, are currently looking at an audience of 183 million players um, with an existing purchasing spending power on games of $15 uh, per person per month. We're currently at the end of our second fundraising round. Uh, we're raising 1 million euro on a 5 million pre-money valuation, and we will have 150,000 euros left to allocate within the round. And we would be more than pleased to work together with experienced game investors and gaming angels as well. And that's it. Thanks, seven, minute, seven minutes on the dot. Yes, pretty well done. Um, there's a few things there. I think the traction is something we can spend a time, some time on. Um, think about if if it's if it's that cheap to acquire, um, how have you actually utilized this opportunity, which not might not be there in six months, twelve months, with the UA landscape is constantly fluctuating. Uh, how many? How many? Are, users have you acquired so, so far? We're, we're currently sitting at a uh, 2.3 thousand uh, pre-registered uh, users which we're progressively converting into into actual downloads on the google play store because we are still a couple of months away from the release on on uh, the app store for ios um and our total community so if we take into account our social networks uh discord twitter um and instagram uh, predominantly we're currently at 6.1 thousand um uh, people um in the in the overall game community yeah I, I think one of the the aspects here that i would really uh go into is like you have launched and uh, the traction is sort of like you're holding back a bit on the traction before you raise which is a common uh, opportunity to actually like make investors fear that they will miss out if the numbers when you finally launch are good. So I know the opportunity there to push, to raise pre-numbers just at the cusp of getting to the numbers point. Uh, I think a lot of investors have been in this situation where they have been offered chances where they then missed out uh, although it doesn't happen that often nowadays, to be honest, like where something just explodes. Uh, and another thing about like the traction is like, I think one of the things you, which would benefit you a lot is using some benchmark data from other products that are similar. You, you mentioned that the, the cost per acquisition is extremely cheap, but like compared to strategy, but it, it's still very much like uh, like you have not really like attempted to to do that at scale, uh, which could come up, and it's most likely will be the biggest argument against your fifty cent CPI is that you haven't really gone and spent ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, or uh, like consistently. And seeing and where where the CPI goes, absolutely correct. Uh, and we agree with that. It's it's a very fair comment, and and we agree with it. Um, and we know that uh, unavoidably, regardless of how good the early marketability metrics, whether it's CPI or even IPM, 
can look with small budgets. We know that the, the gap between the early metrics and the actual market median tends to close as you start scaling the budgets and also as your audience starts to kind of run out um, in terms of like easy acquisitions or low-hanging fruits, if you, if you like. Um, what we think um, is that um, given that from from the industry reports that, that we have seen, and obviously there are some conflicting numbers there, but uh, what we're seeing is that in the strategy domain, it's currently tends to be above 3.5 euros per user and sometimes a lot more than that even. Um, we still think that we have quite a good margin uh, for the uh, where we will actually stay, continue to stay competitive in terms of user acquisition um, uh, costs. So that's one. And the other part is that um, paid advertising isn't, luckily, isn't the only accessible way for us to actually scale um, the user acquisition. It's an unavoidable one. Uh, it's necessary evil if we wanted to call it this way. Um, but we have actually been in touch with uh, content creators as well as agencies who manage content creators, whether it is on the uh, on the Twitch side of things or even the YouTube side of things. Um, and we know that for quite a while, some of these agencies have been actually practically looking for games that would have sufficient scale as in sufficient gameplay depth that would allow them to, pos to position streamers against each other. Uh, and generate this clash of communities and basically the core gameplay premise of Nebulae, or, which is creating player community, communities around political causes, lends itself extremely well um, uh, to this specific task, uh, which is why we have confirmation from two uh, agencies at this stage that this is, this is exactly the type of content that both they, the agencies, but also the content creators that they manage um, have been looking for in the mobile strategy space since approximately 2020. So like thinking about the, the traction you, you're looking forward to with the influencers, this is something that is still a hypothesis um, based on like the, what the, the agencies are saying. I, I think this is something that also like you're going to benefit a lot if you go and, and test that uh like as soon as possible to to highlight that this is working um fully agreed yeah do you then thinking about the, the you mentioned 130 183 million players is the target audience uh i'm i'm very close to to the to the guys at solsten know them quite well and the model uh this number feels a bit you 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 do have to elaborate more on like what is the methodology and like what other games are these people playing like just bring it a bit towards like something concrete versus there's an agency that told you <laughs> that there's 183 million players for this game and uh like give more more substance uh, of that. course, uh, and we would usually tend to do that because I, I'm I'm in very close touch with with Joe um, uh, from from Stolsten, and we usually if if an investor um, is not familiar with Stolsten, we we spend a few minutes explaining what the platform does and how they analyze the game design documentation, the art style, the reference games, 
uh, before they actually come up with the personas that are then considered to be a, a high value um, audience for a for a particular game. And then um, uh, obviously we have access to to the platform itself. So if if investors want to go even deeper and understand um, on a more close uh, level, then it's also something that we can uh, we can definitely communicate about. Yeah, it, it necessarily doesn't need to be a you know another call <laughs> to to elaborate, but rather like oh this is the the fun, this is the way like we we discovered the this huge audience and like what what is the accuracy there is i guess something you want to go into it's like okay it's we're 100% sure <laughs> that like there is there's an untapped audience here versus okay it's uh maybe when the game is sort of matured after 10, 10, five, 10 years of development, then like we, we can tap into that 183 versus what can we actually get right now with the current subset of a, a game where content might not be enough. Like going into that realm is not, not a bad idea, I think. Mm. Um, so there is the high level overview, which is what, what Solston is able to provide gaming companies with. And then there's what we actually test on the ground um, through player interviews, through marketability testing and so on. Um, and what we have been able to observe on the ground, so in our database of pre-registered players is that um, up to 23% of players who are currently part of our database consider themselves as casual gamers. Um, and in some of our user engagement uh, metrics, um, we have been able to reach up to 30% of female players um, uh, with the current value proposition of the game, which is um, unusually high um, for a mobile strategy game. Um, uh, and obviously, when we dive deeper into the, UDN, into the audience um, metrics and into the player interviews, um, then the spectrum of games that emerge as games that these players currently play is actually quite broad. Obviously, on the strategy side component of things, we're going to have every single Paradox Interactive game has, that has ever been made. Um, but on top of that, we're also going to have the more old school fans of Civilization and Age of Empires and StarCraft um, and Heroes of Might and Magic, which <laughs> obviously um is 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 my my background um and then due to the presence of the um spaceship combat component within the game we're also going to have players um that come from backgrounds like league of legends and overwatch which are um some of the more frequently cited games by by our currently pre-registered players um and then on the more casual side of things there is a nuance that is very very interesting to us where um Casual games such as, for example, The Sims uh, come up quite frequently, unusually frequently, um, actually. And then there is a subset within those casual players um, segments where between 10 and 11% of our registered player base doesn't qualify themselves as gamers at all, and yet still are consumers of, um, uh, of games. Um, and we find it quite interesting because the reason why they describe they have been attracted to the value proposition of Nebulae, which is our first game, um, is that the presence of planetary governance mechanics and the presence of the collective political component of the game is something that um, actually they find extremely appealing and not at all something that they're currently able to find um, on the market, which is not necessarily true. There are um, other games that deal with um, 
and other studios that deal with um, uh, with political interactions between uh, players. And we have tremendous respect for the guys at um, at Klung uh, Games based in Berlin who who are tackling that issue from a different angle. Um, but it's it's definitely an an audience segment to be reckoned with. What is like the the one thing that is going to come up most likely with the investors, which is good to to tackle, is like why has it been so hard for strategy games, especially free to play, to succeed on mobile? Uh, there there have been countless attempts over t- the last ten years, but can you elaborate? Uh, as to what our perspective as to why? Yeah, your hypothesis for this. Um, several things um, uh, to segment. Um, one of them is um, unfortunately uh, quite a lot of um, uh, essentially the bad reputation that mobile games get um, is because of the some um, monetization practices that are while necessary uh, to the survival of many games companies um, uh, are are not resonating with uh, let's say the vocal component of the of the part of of the gamers. Um, so that's that's one, and essentially it it kind of comes down to 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 pay to win. Um, another very important component, we think, um, and we have seen it with uh, game adaptations from the PC branch when, for example, Stellaris uh, came out on mobile or when um, Eve Ecos uh, was adapted to mobile devices, is that um, essentially, and this is a hypothesis once again, what seems to have been the initial briefing of, okay, basically take this game and transpose it to mobile devices uh, to the best of your ability without cutting uh, too many of the ex- pre-existing game design features, except you cannot always do that on um, on mobile because um, you have to simplify, which implies cutting um, game design features and simplifying interfaces and adapting from um, a horizontal screen format to a vertical one um, uh, and, and cutting menus and so on and so on. So um, mm. there is clearly a UX uh, issue at hand uh, as well. Um, and then obviously it's also a highly competitive space because strategy games, and we know that strategy games, while having some of those um, sometimes predatory, sometimes necessary monetization practices, um, monetize extremely well. And so it means that a lot of studios want to position themselves in that segment because they know that um, if you manage to capture users who actually spend, uh, then these low users are going to be loyal for a long time and they're going to spend quite a lot of money. And so this brings mm-hmm. a number of actors into the into the sphere. Maybe a question about like the one thing that was missing when when you went through your pitch is how you picked the platform of mobile uh, versus PC and other optionalities. I think that's a, a key question, especially for somebody who who pulls out back a bit as an investor and thinks about, okay, what are the fundamental choices that this team has done regarding their business? Uh, like for instance, going to mobile where we know it's it's going to be tough since the core audience isn't there. Uh, so I, I think it's good to have some kind of answer for that as well. Uh, yes, regarding that, um, actually, initially when we started thinking about Nebulae, it was a PC game. Um, and we have made the switch to mobile quite early on uh, in development for two fundamental reasons. First of all, because we discovered that the core audience was there, um, because what came up in our customer discovery and our testing was actually that players who 
um, who fall within the first segment of the audience, which is strategy gamers that we're targeting. Um, actually, they don't really care that much as to what device they want to play on. And so this was the starting point. And then what really hit the nail on the head um, was the fact that we're building a game um, that wants players to continuously be on the lookout as to what has been the latest policy that was passed? How did the latest negotiations go? How did the latest elections go? Did the, re did the revolution attempt that was happening in the neighboring nations succeed or fail? And all of these things, uh, they come quite close in terms of user experience to, to a habit that already exists within users, which is essentially scrolling through the timeline of your Twitter or Instagram or Facebook feed uh, and, mm. and essentially desperately consuming news. And so this was um, kind of a, a societal trend or if you want a, mm. a, a, a user trend uh, that we definitely wanted to, to pick up on and which lends itself extremely well to the, um, uh, to the, to the value proposition um, of, of the game. Yeah, I think there's a, just from if if somebody asked these questions like why hasn't strategy succeeded on mobile and then going into like why did you go to mobile because the users are there but then they aren't there uh, just like i know that you're you're not trying to like you're not aiming to point out that there's a contradiction there but it could be that it comes off as uh, strategy games haven't been popular on mobile but this time it's going to work uh, because of this political angle, um, I think that leads me to ask about like uh, you talking more about product market fit as well, uh, which as a word, like is is kind of like you have traction <laughs> and then you have traction and then you have product market fit. Um, where do you see yourself there on the that kind of so spectrum? Yeah, so we like to reason in terms of three stages. So we like to reason in terms of proof of concept, um, MVP, and then PMF, so product market fit. Uh, we're definitely past the proof of concept stage because we were able to validate the core business hypothesis of the monetization strategy of, of the game, which is um, actually customization items and quality of life items and skins, because we managed to transform a marketing budget of 450 euros because uh, we were super poor when we were running the, the pre-sales campaign, um, into over 42,000 euros worth of sales um, uh, of those customization items and quality of life um, items. Um, and so we consider that as a, as a, as, as a proof of concept uh, point. Uh, and it's also based off the structure that we were able to raise our first um, pre-seed um, round of funding in 2021. Yeah, now, that's actually a good question. Like, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Um, yeah, like you now mentioned a core component. It's like your previous uh, sort of like money raised. I think that's that's something you you left out in the pitch. And there's there's a few reasons why I think it's really good to to bring in always is that there's there's people who are already vouching for you with their capital and their help. And it's good to highlight how much you've raised and who are the backers. Like, are they sort of very useful people uh, besides capital? Um, 
um, I, 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 I was looking at the clock and I saw that I was mildly running out of time, but it's a fair, uh, it's a fair point. I alluded to that fact by saying that this is the, our second fundraise that we're currently closing right now. Yes. Um, but it's true that I didn't necessarily have the time to elaborate, um, on the first round, um, uh, and the members of the investor community who are also now part of the, of the second fund fundraise uh, is it something that you would want me to elaborate on now or i guess it's more about like um like it's not necessary <laughs> like, okay uh yeah. but but like i would still like think that's that's something that helps you yes in, in, like dropping that quite early even um like who is investors and everything yeah, it kind of like right. i yeah I, I usually like to to put the team slide if you're going through a slide deck or any kind of uh like structure of a of a pitch where you earlier talk about the people involved compared to talking about it way way later um like it usually helps of course like if you if you're if you don't really have any logos to put there or if you're just starting off your career in gaming uh, maybe you're coming from the university even like um, then it there's there's an opportunity to use traction uh, up front and then the team later but it's it's a good good sort of like thing to to think about yeah we we, we tend to do that uh, when when the pitch format is uh, is slightly longer uh, mm. normally and, and and we discussed this shortly before the call usually our typical pitch is approximately 10 minutes and the extra three uh, compared to the seven that we did today actually allows for all of this amazing extra stuff because we actually do have really cool advisors and early investors, um, both from the deep games community, but also from the financial side of the games community and games uh, investing and people who do m and um, in the games industry who are, um, uh, who are on board of this journey with us. Yeah. Final question from my end is a bit more on the side of the benchmarks but also the venture backability here like is this a vc scale business uh because like to be honest like i i do feel that the game is is great i'm very like questioning the 183 exact player million players out there um so because it just feels it's it's a it's a platform that has had a hard time with strategy um so there's there's a lot of questions there so i think an area where you could like push a lot more is to show hey this is what's going on with previous titles that uh in this space in this genre have done well with this audience uh with a similar gameplay style uh like a political simulation strategy game does feel like uh, so something new and like i'm not i'm not so sold on seeing something similar that i could immediately say that oh yeah this is a venture backable business it it could be a really good games business but can it go on the track where you raise again in 2 years like uh, at the 4x multiple and then again 4x um, um so yeah uh we definitely feel very very convinced that it can um one of the reasons uh i mean there are there are many but to, to keep it uh, to keep it short and concise um i think actually one of the reference games that keeps 
coming up in Solston uh, quite a lot, but also in the in the customer interviews, which is a mobile strategy game, is Rise of Kingdoms. Um, mm. It, which I believe last time I checked had like a hundred million downloads on 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 uh, on the um, on the Google Play Store alone. Uh, and I'm not an iPhone user, so I don't don't remember it off the top of my head right now. But um, I would argue that that is uh, a venture backable uh, business, both in terms of revenue, but also in terms of scale. Um, yeah. But another thing that I think is important to point out. Um, uh, is the fact that we're starting on mobile, but then we're moving to PC. And some of the te- like one of the technological choices that we made really early on as a studio is to develop the game on Unity, which actually allows for this cross-port ability into, um, uh, into the PC space. And actually we have um, had a really interesting conversation recently with some of the bigger entities, such as, for example, Scopely and Playtica, um, uh, whom we have met in, in um, uh, at the Game Developers Conference and, and elsewhere. And it turns out that some of these traditionally mobile players are now actively hunting for studios that actually are producing uh, contents or games, rather, that mm. extend beyond the mobile platform. And since the purpose mm. or the objective, rather, of venture investors is to have an exit horizon, um, and we know that both Scopely and Politica are kind of on, have been on an acquisition spree recently. Um, we know that there is uh, definitely a, um, a studio repurchase potential um, that's there. Um, one final short uh, component that I will add here is that because of the positioning of the studio and because of the nature of the game, we have also been attracting um, commercial interest from non-gaming uh, entities. Um, for a, a version of the game that uh, would have a more B2B uh, type of usage. We have been in talks with the French Ministry of Defense, um, and we have also been approached by some representatives of um, one of the big four consulting firms, which see the potential of a game that analyzes players' political behaviors and their capacity to federate people around causes and collective objectives that can also be used in uh, management training, but also in crisis simulations and and uh, team building exercises in in on the on the more B two B side of things. It's a it's yep. a path that's like way further down the line. Um, yes. But but we know that it's a it's a it's a possibility um, ultimately for us as a studio, and all like of the, these three combined, I think we think makes us a venture backable studio. Yeah, I think there's a, a few like well, let's put it this way like. Out of those things that you mentioned, like the best like case that makes it venture backable is I think the 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 concept of what you mentioned about rise of kingdoms uh, the doing a self published game and then rebranding to b two b purposes um it it has sort of like a connotation that okay it's gonna it's going to be a big distraction for you to do a, like a work for hire project uh, or any kind of like side project where you're not directly publishing to players. So, but the, the rise of kingdoms, I think that's very interesting where you could double down more, uh, especially when you're, you're saying this 183 million players uh, sub segment identified highly with uh, the the players of Rise of Kingdoms. Uh, does your game have like four X elements? Um, it is. It is a four X game. It's a four X strategy game. Yeah, I would like double down on that as well because okay. now it does feel a bit uh, that 
like the because that that then is definitely successful on mobile uh, and there there have been several big companies built on forex titles uh like focusing on that H- have you contemplated on more doubling down on the forex angle here in the pitch um usually we haven't had a question about it because when we say it's a mobile strategy game people automatically project and then they use the term forex when they kind of either ask us questions and so on um so it's not necessarily a feedback that we have had before um usually the overlap between mobile strategy and forex is is almost intuitive at least with the investor conversations that we have had so far okay so it's a uh... Yeah, I I couldn't pick it from your like pitch, so like I I don't know if that's worth <laughs> worth anything. Like it, uh, you could it, it even happens. less mentioned, mm-hmm. like it like then like you're not leaving it uh, to to sort of like imagination that yeah that the 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 investor can can sort of compare come sort of like draw the dots between like the line between the dots that this game is is similar to those giants in the market um that that's going to be really helpful and then going more in depth into like the spending patterns i think the the way that you make revenue was quite non-existent in the pitch Uh, so the business model side of things um makes sense to 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 cover as well yeah Do, do you have any questions for me about the pitch specifically where but you're sort of like unsure or you know um i have i have a couple um if you still have the time um yes. one of them is regarding the the duration so obviously you have been agent investing for for many many years now and uh um i know that you're getting massive amounts of inbound uh, requests from founders who seek uh, either your personal investment or investment from the syndicate um what is the typical um duration of the pitch outside of the exercise today that you actually allow founders before you interrupt them or cut them short uh is it still the seven minute format or do you allow slightly less time slightly more time yeah i think like for for the purpose of this this pitch uh training i I wanted you to to condense it more uh to to keep it under under limits I, i think i'm quite worried about people who spend too much time on their pitch and material versus the discussion so like if you have a 30 minute slot with an investor seven minutes of pitching and monologue is definitely the max i would go for um so and and 30 minutes is is quite common so Mm, understood yeah and then yeah yeah i think it's more about like okay then like what you can do is expand by sending the material beforehand so that the investor can get on top of things and make some understanding of who they're going to be talking to, what's the business like and everything. Uh, so it helps you to expand kind of the time you spend in the investors sort of like vision and, and years. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for that. And my second question is, um, how do you feel about pitches without slides now that we have done the exercise? Yeah, to be honest, it, it does have, uh, a benefit where it's a lot easier to concentrate on what you're saying and take notes versus looking at text at the same time as somebody's talking. Uh, although it does help to have 
a slide that supports what you are exactly saying. Um, it, let's put it this way: when you when you talked about the Solsten material, you could have had a slide where you have game like logos of games that are played by these players without text. Um, so just being very cautious about like showing a pitch deck where you have hundreds of words and also trying to talk something else that isn't said in the slide. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. yeah, still having like a deck that you send beforehand is, is super beneficial. Yeah, that's usually what we do. Like usually we reach out either intro or cold email. Uh, we actually love um, cold emails, uh, even though they're not necessarily the most popular form um, <laughs> of investor yeah, yeah. engagement, but they, they tend to work for, uh, for us quite well. Mm. Um, and usually we share like a, a short blurb as to where we are and what we're doing, what our attraction to date is. And then there's like a link to the deck. And usually, um, actually not usually, always all the, all the time, um, the investors will have had at least a short look at the deck before actually taking the call. Um, mm -hmm. And then, then it allows us to keep the pitch relatively short, um, within, usually within yeah, the, 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 the 10 minute range for a 45 minute slot, because that's, that's usually the one we go for. Um, and, uh, and then based on the slides that we can know that the investor has particularly looked at, then we know the kind of questions that they will be asking. So it also allows us to, um, to prepare. Um, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, for, for your time. How do you feel, yeah. uh, now that we have done the, the, the exercise, I mean, we've, we've known each other for, for a while, uh, now, how, how do you feel overall about the studio and about the, about the game? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, uh. I definitely want to see when you're at that point where you can prove the product market fit. Uh, but I, I would very much encourage you to think about also uh, if things like, you know, you're going in a certain direction and you're, if, if, if there's no, you know, clear next step, what you need to do to make it work better, like consider a pivot. Like that's, that's something that, a lot of companies that I've known for a long time, uh, they maybe are very cautious about pivoting. Um, so I, I think this is something that you could also talk with the team very openly. If, if like this year you you hit a, a point where it feels like, okay, mobile isn't the place. Like, I think this is the, the place where I'm most scared about this the CPI uh, for Forex is notoriously <laughs> like hard. Uh, I don't know if that's the reason why you didn't mention Forex, but <laughs> let's leave that to another conversation. Not, uh, but, not, not yeah. necessarily, no. I yeah. mean, we know we know it's tough, but at the same time, it's kind of tough for everyone out there. And yet, despite the fact that it, that it's tough for mobile Forex, it's still more expensive to hire to to acquire users for PC platforms. So, <laughs> for an identical yeah. game, I mean. Yeah, it's. it's I, I guess like I'm not. An expert on like acquiring users on PC, but like that's a that's an area where if you need to to, to explore pivots in the future, like mm -hmm. there's probably like there could be greener grass somewhere. Uh, mm -hmm. It's hard to say, but like yeah, we've actually been quite transparent both internally with the team as well as the um, the investors, whether it's the first round or the current round as to what our possible pivot opportunities could be. 
Um, mm. And it's actually part of the investor due diligence pack that we distribute once uh, people say, okay, I would like to explore this further, please show me what you have. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, there are, there are two or three pivotal possibilities for us, one of them being a more kind of Terra Genesis type of, of game focused on planetary governance, which would be a solo game. Um, and then there is the more um, combat related component uh, with um, collective impact of your individual actions as a, as a starship pilots and how it then affects the overall distribution of a galaxy map, which is a different pivot direction. Um, and, and definitely not a solo game. Um, and then obviously there is the there is the collective um, collective politics component, which which can be uh, uh, can be a more interface based uh, game, which would then subsequently be more more niche um, and therefore less venture backable. But it's also a pivot opportunity that that we definitely have in in our minds uh, in case things go south. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, best of luck, Pavel, to the to the fundraise and, and to the launch. And uh, thanks for doing this. Thank you for thank you for having me over. It's uh, it's been a pleasure and a and a privilege, uh, Joachim. Thank you very much. And I'm I wanted I think on behalf of all of the founders out there, I wanted to to thank you for for taking the time and, and also offering the the platform of of your reach, um, to be able to 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 pitch, but also to get super constructive and very useful feedback. Thank you, sincerely. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Take care, Pavel. Bye. Take care. Bye. 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 So I have to start recording again because like this is something I wanted to share with Pavel. So um, with a previous founder, we were talking about the deck having this presentable deck. And then you have appendix slides where you can go in and have like a slide about benchmark numbers, have a slide about the Solsten details, have one slide about the CPIs, one slide about uh, like a 4X. Uh, and and one slide about product market fit and you can jump like go and present first the, the way that you presented Pavel now with this kind of you're talking and the slide is just visuals uh, which aren't gonna distract from listening and uh, and when you have the discussion you can if the if the investor is, asks about okay yeah the CPI is isn't that going to be really hard later on when you spend like ten thousand hundred thousand and then you can go to the CPI slide. And you have the answers there immediately. Uh, it's not that you couldn't answer them like on the get-go there verbally, but I believe that your the confidence that you show by having thought about them already beforehand, that you have already this all nailed out, it's gonna that's gonna give you a lot of points, like that these these people really know what they're doing with this business. So agreed yeah it, it's it's something that that we actually um have part like we have the 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 initial response to to the super critical question of cpi but also many many other aspects of whether it's you know um uh, the audience sizing and so on we, we we address them in the deck and then the 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 really the deep dive as to how and why and the sources because everything that we do is is, is sourced and we provide references even on the deck itself um, mm. um, is is something that we put in the due diligence platform that we then share um, with investors, and if they want to question us on their numbers, but yeah. they can, and then we will respond with the sources where we have to like, what's the source of this data? Where did you get this from? Got it. Yeah, yeah, man, this is great. Um, this time we, I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time, Thanks. Joachim. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot, Pavel, for coming on 
and to doing this pitching presentation with me. If you want to watch more of these, you can go to YouTube and you'll find the previous pitching sessions and also they're on Spotify. And in the meantime, please also check out my newsletter at EliteGameDevelopers.com where you can subscribe and get the latest every week on what I'm posting. See you next time, everybody. Bye-bye.